started doing that and that's when it all clicked and then eventually i desensitized myself slowly towards monetary results or any of that kind of stuff you have a window of opportunity every morning and every night within the first 10 15 minutes of you waking up and going to sleep you're in a certain frequency of mind and what to do in that state of mind is there's only two types of traders. You have hesitant and impulsive. There's no other kind. I had a one year deadline for my parents. That if you don't make any money, you have to go back into college. I was ready to go homeless. I don't care. I was going to make it in trading no matter what. I'm not profitable. I've been at this for four years, not made a penny. Doing the same thing every single day, seven days of the week. I would not go out on weekends. I would be isolated in my room. Four years straight, no money. And I thought, clearly I'm doing something wrong here. They know they shouldn't take a trade, but they just happen to click because the emotion of what well, if this trade plays out overrides the common sense in that moment. They do that. They click the button, they regret it afterwards. They end up the quarter of the month looking back thinking, what have I done here? If that is somebody listening, the harder way is that's kept me into trades that most people would isolate themselves for for a two to one or a three to one because of the strike rate mentality thinking I need to get out for two to one, two to one, two to one. I've got out of those same trades for 10, 11, 12, 15 to one at times. Episode 251. Folks, we've got Ebi and Sari in the house dropping so much value in this episode. You're going to be blown away. He talks about probably the best morning routine for traders. He also talks about the type of trader you are. So you're one of these two types. And we go through his entire four-year journey to profitability. UK-based trader trades indices. You're going to find out all of that stuff coming up in today's show. Now, other things going on here at Trading Up. Before we dive in there, I should tell you about the Mystery Trader. So currently up 4% on the account after only five trades. So if you want to check those out, they're dropping live in the Telegram channel on TN Trades. So go and check that out. There's links under this video or podcast description. Uh, other things going on here, we've got the live streams where we've got traders taking on New York uh, and London sessions. If you do want to check those out, hit subscribe on the YouTube and you'll get those notifications when these guys go live. They're also taking the Blue Guardian Challenge, some of them, including myself. So if you do want to see how that plays out, then check out the videos I drop at the start of the week where we go through everyone's trading week, including mine. Uh, so folks, that's happening there. Remember, if you do want to trade on a broker, then go and check out Blackball. They've got a 100% deposit bonus only through TradingNut though, up to your $1,000 on your first deposit. So go and click that link below the video or in the podcast description. And I should tell you about a bot we've just released as part of my Robot Builders Club, Robot Lab Live. It's currently up 2.6% after one week, which is kind of good. Uh, and we've taken 11 trades with 1% risk. Now, what I'm going to do is drop a link to that track record so you can follow along and see if this thing actually makes it in the markets uh, in the description here. All right, folks, enough from me. Let's dive into this interview. Our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know that they've just released an unlimited time evaluation with a zero trading days requirement, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets, making it super fast to get funded. Plus, it's cheaper than the 40-day time limit evaluation. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are in Trading Up. We've got Ibby in the house here from Falcon FX. We just had a bit of a random uh, conversation before this where we, we know all the exact same places in a very small town in, in the UK. Welcome to the show, uh, Ibby. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, look, it's fantastic to get you on. I know you, you're um your your partners with uh with Mark from Falcon FX, who I've had on the show a long, long time ago, and it was an epic show. So I'm I'm a, I'm excited to hear your story, which I got to say I don't know a lot about. Um, but let's start off with introducing you to the audience by telling them that uh, if you could explain to them how you got into trading in the first place, and we'll go into detail around your journey to date. 
Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I started in December or November 2016, uh, merging into December even 2016. So it's quite a while back. And I was self-taught for about a couple of years. Got introduced by a cousin of mine who I didn't know was actually a broker disguised as a trader. But I got brought forward to the idea of what trading could be. And I knew from a young age, instinctively or intuitively, I'd say that I wanted something different in our life because I have an older brother and sister who've kind of paved the way and demonstrated to me that the natural way of school wasn't actually going to facilitate for the goals that I had. So obviously, I, I, was, I was looking around and then I came across this cousin of mine who I never see. And I saw him miraculously that one day and he introduced me to the idea of it. And for two years onwards, I just taught myself throughout college, which in the UK is between 16 and 18 years old. And I wouldn't study. In fact, every time I did, I would get worse results than my fellow students or friends who studied really hard for exams. So I found that actually school's not really a measure of my intelligence uh, per se. And it's more of a matter of memory. Started to come into this mindset and trading really caught my attention. And two years in is when I decided to leave college. I dropped out of college in February of 2018. And at that point, I was essentially on my own. I had a one-year deadline for my parents that if you don't make any money, you have to go back into college. I was ready to go homeless. I don't care. I was going to make it in trading no matter what. And um, I came across Falcon in April 2018. I realized I have to find some way of channeling mentorship some some kind. And so I didn't have any money. I washed cars for about six or seven months to fund for the membership uh, all across my street, which funnily enough, all my friends that I grew up with lived on and their parents were there looking at me like I'm a failure, right? So it was a... Very humiliating time, but I knew where my mind was at and where I wanted to go. So I did that and I've been with Falcon ever since. I've never switched once. I, I've stuck here. I'm now a coach at Falcon. For the past five and a half years, I've been here and it's uh, it's been a tremendous place to be. That, that's um, It's crazy that you've managed to stay, you know, stay with Falcon and, and not shift and not jump around, which... I suppose is it, what, what was the reason for that, and what was the, the decision around like going? I'm going to go with these guys. I'm going to stay with them. That's that's it. I'm not going to do what every other trader in the world does, which is strategy hop. Yeah, I would say similar to how I mentioned my brother's sister paving the way as to what not to do. I am a very observant person. I always have been. I like to listen more than speak, and that's just been my personality trait growing up. And I've observed a lot of traders throughout my experiences, all from when I started, that. Every time they used to switch system or switch their, their method of viewing the market, I realized they weren't actually really giving it full attention in the first place. And I noticed that the commonality between people who had these traits were that they weren't profitable no matter what. And I was like, well, I wouldn't want to take advice from somebody who's not where I want to be. And I used common sense at the time. And I actually looked at, well, does my system actually work? I tested it. Although I wasn't profitable, we had a lot of students leaving at the time. There's a lot of commotion. This is like summer 2019. I said, well, well, my system works and it's proven to work. Well, if it's not working in the live markets, surely there's a there's a missing gap of some kind that I have to bridge. And that's what kept me, honestly, if I'm honest. If I, if I listened or I followed the crowd per se and I didn't sit in the middle and make my uh, judgment with a critical mindset, I would have system hopped and definitely not been where I am now, you know? And sticking here, the main reason I stuck here as well, Mark, as you, as you've, as you met yourself, his value set and system is literally in full accordance with what I'd want to be. Looks after his family. He's got assets. He's got businesses. He's used his trading to, to fund, for fund all of that. You know, and when you look at the, the space now, Cam, the majority of trading educators are in a position of what I like to call premature leadership, where they haven't got assets. 
you know, they haven't got experience financially. They're not got financial literacy. They're relying upon nowadays what we have prop accounts. One or two prop accounts is their experience. They've not even been trading longer than five years. And so I'm like, okay, thank God I've put my future in the hands of somebody who's actually got my best interests at heart. And I saw that from an early age. It's interesting. I'm like, you know, the the the, the prop thing, obviously with my Forex funds being frozen, has probably put a bit, a bit of a shockwave through the industry there. And, you know, folks are, are now sort of thinking, is this, is this, you know, do I need to trade personal account as well as a prop account and all this sort of stuff? We'll probably get into that a bit later. But um, so that journey to profitability, I mean, it sounds like you were, you were, you know, at a point where you were almost there, not quite. I mean, can you talk us through some of the days that you were, um, spending at the charts and, and what you were doing and how you'd structure it before you just before you got profitable? See, I find people always ask me when they say, what would you have done different? And I always say nothing because I don't like to live in an alternate reality. I think the way that we go about life, our reality is paved and scripted, fabricated in a certain way for a certain reason that we're not able to comprehend beforehand. And the reason I say that is because there were many, many things that happened that seemed inconvenient in the moment, seemed terrible. You know, I lost 75K investor account, private investor capital, 2019 summer. I took it on and this investor was looking to scale it up to a quarter of a million, million onwards. And he started me on 75K, nine back-to-back -back trades, lost it straight away. My confidence just depleted. And so I didn't lose the whole account, obviously, just nine back-to-back -back trades on the account. My confidence was shattered completely. And I was trading about a year and a couple of months within Falcon before this, but I'd of it's weird and it, it rarely happens to most people but i had 10 months of what i like to call fake profitability i was making profits that in the end were made incorrectly and i think that's the most dangerous position to be in because euphoria is a powerful emotion and that led me to get investment i sold myself to him i sold myself to everybody saying i'm going to make money and so i had all these expectations now and now reality started to kick in conditions changed a little bit i realized that the way i'd made money wasn't actually correct so my profits were masking my mistakes, so to speak. Lost the account. He's still my investor to this day, which I'll get to in a second. But that was 2019 summer. Then following on from that, I just had about six or seven months following consecutively negative. Now, being in the position of, of coaching, I can understand looking back at that, every single thing I was doing wrong. And it just so matters, happened as, as, it just so happened as a matter of sequence that I was on the other side of the fence for a long enough period of time. That's the same time, Cam, that I just mentioned where people were leaving, popping systems, oh, you know, this doesn't work anymore. So I was really being tested thoroughly. And I would say the the only, I want to say mistake, because like I said, I don't like to live in alternate realities, but if I could do something different, so I advise traders now, I spent too much time and emphasis on the micro, meaning I was trying to do more every day with the mentality of more equals more in trading when it doesn't. And I was unnecessarily getting things ticked off that didn't need to be ticked off, which is back testing every day for two, three hours. I mean, I didn't even know why I was testing. I didn't have any intention behind it. Didn't know why I was assessing. And I did that for a long enough period of time. And I find that a lot of people test out of a matter of procrastination. Don't actually know why they're doing it. In the end, throughout this period of time, what I'd realized is that I was actually running away from the main issue at hand, which was I didn't have a clarity on my system to the degree that I thought I did. I didn't even have a properly constructed trading plan, which we'll dive into. And also my state of mind was mashed. I was super impulsive. And so I then started to logically break it down and think, okay, if I can be profitable when I'm testing in a simulative environment, why is it that I can't replicate that performance or to some degree, similar performance in the live conditions? 
thought, okay, there's only one missing ingredient here. It's my state of mind. What am I doing different in testing and live trading? It's nothing different. I then started to build a plan. I started to build a base and trade off of that for six months. Started to get into more forward testing, assessing my trades critically every week. How many trades met my plan one that I took it this week? How many didn't? And how many of the trades that I took were higher in risk or lower in risk? That's it. That's all I did. And I tried getting that to what I like to call my optimal performance amount every single week. And that was my goal. Not P&L, none of that stuff. Just those metrics had to be met. I got better and better at understanding how to do that, but I couldn't bring it about. That's when I started working on mind. And I realized, well, trading, there's only two types of traders. You have hesitant and impulsive. There's no other kind. Everything else falls into those two categories. I was definitely impulsive and I was trigger happy. Then I worked into, in a lot of detail, actually, figuring out what led me, what behavioral pattern was present in these kind of trades that I would regret afterwards. And it was a matter of fixing that over a period of time that eventually led me to where I am now. It's, uh, that, it's I mean, it, it sounds great in retrospect in terms of like you managed to go through all of that journey, but I'm guessing at the time it was probably, I mean, it would have taken a lot of reflection to get to the points where you got to to be able to go and identify these specific elements about what you're doing, like almost taking a sort of a helicopter view of like looking at yourself going, what am I doing? Here, here are the issues I've got and how do I fix them? And also even, I, I suppose, the, the more um, breaking it down into the to the hesitant versus the impulsive trader. I mean, how on earth did you get to these sort of findings and discoveries within yourself? Because I think this is what one of the biggest problems most people have and especially people who are trying to trade struggle to do is have that 360 or sorry, that 180 or bird's eye view of themselves and see what they're doing wrong and be able to critically assess it and improve things. I mean, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are or how you actually achieve that. So I, this is where it stems from. Originally came from a fighting background growing up. I didn't fight professionally in Muay Thai for about a decade. I started when I was about 11 and the way I got coached unconsciously without realizing the lesson that I'd learned is that you've got to be able to make things go still. And I don't know, I, I'm assuming it comes from there. It's the only thing I can link it to. On sports, I played badminton at a very high level as well. And I would always do this. I don't know whether it was unconscious or where it came from, but I'd always do this where whenever there's chaos, I was very good at honing the noise in and, and getting still in my mind. Very good at that. And so I applied the same model to life when there's a lot of, so to speak, chaos. I realized that we actually suffer a lot more in our mind and imagination than we actually are in reality. Folks, Black Bull Markets have 10 merch packs to give away to clients who sign up before the end of the year, including one of these trader keys. So to go in the draw, all you need to do is sign up with the link below this video or in the podcast description, and you'll go in the draw to win. It's that simple. And remember, folks, when you sign up to Black Bull Markets through the trading nut link below, you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. All you need to do is click the link in the description below the video or the podcast. And I realized that, and I thought, There's all this going around me. I'm not profitable. I've been at this for four years, not made a penny. Doing the same thing every single day, seven days of the week. My friends can confirm I would not go out on weekends. I would be isolated in my room, which wasn't necessary, but I'd be isolated, be constricted in this mind for four years straight, no money. And I thought, clearly I'm doing something wrong here. All this chaos going on. I could look at all the things that were going wrong, but I could also look at it from a perspective of, well, one day I'm going to tell this story, ironically now, how exciting is it going to be? There was even a case I forgot to mention. This was March 2000. 
and 19, we were that, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, we had that little of money, because I, I come from a, a background where obviously we've seen a lot of struggle financially. My mom had to sell her engagement rings to buy me a laptop. And I saw that, and it was obviously as a son, it's very painful, right? I was, I was at a conscious age, I was 19 years old. And I was like, right, this is this is it now. I'm gonna I'm gonna really focus on what needs to be focused on, and that for most people, as you said, it would send them off the rails a little bit, mm. make them very emotional. These kind of things. I thought, no, God wouldn't put me in a position or give me a battle that I couldn't endure. That was my mindset. Like this is deliberate for a reason. I doubt the man upstairs is sat there looking down, thinking, I'm gonna make your life terrible for no reason whatsoever. It's got to be a purpose behind it. So what is that? So when I zoomed out on it and I and I became very still, so to speak, I was like, okay. Forget everything else. What do I need to focus on to drill myself into? And I just focus on that and go into flow with that. And I, what Mark likes to call aggressive patience. I was being patient very aggressively. I was understanding this is going to take a while, but I don't care. I'm going to focus on task at hand, get that fixed, next hurdle, fix that, so on and so forth. And I realized through time, and you'll notice yourself, that problems never actually dissipate, no matter how far you get. They're always going to be present. Maybe they'll go from financial to something else. But I was like, well, if I start viewing problems as a negative thing, how am I going to excel as a human being, let alone a trader, when they're the literal only key to move to the next level? And then I started noticing a pattern cam where every time there was a low point, followed right after it, if you pass the test, so to speak, there's a high point. Mm. But no, none of those last. And I got yeah. comfortable riding that pendulum swing, you know? It is so true. Eh? It is so true that the whole low point. And I mean, what I did uh, way back and I sort of forgot to do it recently. And, you know, I should bring it back. And I'm glad I'm reminding myself now is every time I say, oh, I think that I've got a problem, I just change it. And I just change the wording and I just say, I've got a challenge. And challenges yeah. you can overcome, right? You can, you overcome a challenge. It's like a, it's like a puzzle you want to try and beat. So if you, if folks listening, if you think, you know, oh, I've got this issue in my life, I've got this problem, just change the word. Just say to yourself, I've got a challenge that I need to somehow work out the solution for. It's like a game, a computer game, if you play games. Um, right. So so going into, the, the, I suppose, the detail around, you know, you made the shift, the, the shift into actually, you know, looking at your account and going, or, or the account that you were trading, um, and seeing, you know, growth week after week, how, how did that sort of start to progress? I mean, what were the the key insights for you? And and like, was there a aha moment or was it just like, you know, how did you get past that hurdle of like, damn it, this thing's actually working. I'm actually making money. Yeah, no, very good question. I mean, look, as you've seen yourself with trading, and I'm sure many traders have said this as well, that things compound over time, uh, like brushing your teeth, for example. We know the act of brushing your teeth twice a day isolated in itself isn't going to do much. It's just added up every day. That makes a difference. Anybody who's got um, a partner, they will know that they, there wasn't just one particular day where they just fell in love with their partner all of a sudden. Mm. It was those small moments of gestures added up over time that made them realize I like this person. And I think it's the same exact thing in trading because trading is a sport, as you know, that one month you can be up. It's got nothing to do with whether you're a good trader or not. You can finish a full quarter on 40, 50%. You can still be a terrible trader. So I really started to notice it when my response to situations in trading changed. And when I tracked those metrics, how many trades met the plan? That's effective, proven effective. And how many of those trades were low risk? Low risk, not just meaning financially, but the actual technical element of it. Essentially high probability trades. And I thought, well, if I can just take trades that fit the plan consistently, 100% throughout, 
And the majority of them are low risk. And I do that consistently over a quarter. I've won. So my sole goal as a trader now was to just bring about the discipline in the moment and bring about the mind that could emulate that consistently. Then it now became about how do I live my life in a way where I can maintain that framework of mentality. That's when I started to focus a lot on consistent routines. I can't be an inconsistent person outside of trading and then be consistent in the market. It doesn't work. You know, and so I started living my life in the way that I'd want to trade. When I started to do that, I noticed, oh, I would have taken six losses this week. I've taken none. So I'm technically 6% up in my mind. I'm profitable. Yeah, and when that perspective shift happened, that's what gave me an edge. Because edge isn't just one thing. Traders think edge is just one thing. I think it's mm. constricted into three different things. You've got your technical edge, you've got your psychological edge, and you've got your timeline edge as well. How long you give yourself, then you've got your system edge, and then you've got your mental framework edge. You can have a fantastic trading strategy. If you're a total shit show in your mind, it's never going to work. And so... I live my life in that way. I noticed my response to those situations change. I started to compare my peak performance potential every week to what my actual performance was. I realized, okay, well, my peak performance this week could have been plus 4% that I could have attained this week had I've done those two things right. This week I ended to break even. What did I do wrong? I missed XYZ trade, whatever it might be. When I started to see those things shift, it clicked with me. I'm like, you know what? This is it. Because I'd already proven to myself, you know, a lot of people think that you need to experience success to become confident, which is true but also witnessing success potential can give you a different level of confidence. Mm. So people holding themselves back at home thinking, you know, how am I ever going to get confident if I'm not successful? It's like a paradox. Well, actually, no, if you witness how successful you can be each week, your potential, potentiality, it's a game changer. Started doing that. And that's when it all clicked, kept that up over time. And then eventually I desensitized myself slowly. It wasn't an overnight thing, obviously, but I became very desensitized towards monetary results or any of that kind of stuff. It now became a competition to myself to say, right, I want to finish this year of trading up knowing my equity curve looks smooth. That was now something I was holding on a pedestal. And I think that's when it changed. And and how do you how you, how did you desensitize yourself? Did you have any tricks or techniques you used? A couple of things. I think in trading, there's two ways. There's the hard way and the harder way. The harder way, which is essentially how our brain is wired, is that brain's wired to learn through experience and pain and trauma to some degree, micro or major trauma, whatever it is. That's the only way humans learn. And we can use that to our advantage. So the harder way is if somebody, let's say, is a super trigger-happy trader, they're just super impulsive, and they know they shouldn't take a trade, but they just happen to click because the emotion of what if this trade plays out overrides the common sense in that moment. They do that, they click the button, and they regret it afterwards. And they do this in a loop over a period of time, the end of the quarter or the month looking back thinking, what have I done here? If that is somebody listening, the harder way is you collect enough data doing that over a period of time where you've actually got proof that that behavioral pattern that you're operating and trading by is actually not profitable and it's destructive to you financially. Mm. And eventually when your brain sees that over and over again, all you've got to do now is just hedge against it. I think every time I start to think this way, it's going to flip it on its head and hedge against it. It's like a broker would B-book somebody, for example. So you're essentially going to B-book yourself. Yeah. The the hard way, which is the easier way in relation to this, is you actually bring about the tools. We've actually got a psychology program. I don't know if Mark mentioned last time. Where, of course, I'm going to be biased towards it because it's the best I've seen. And, of course, I'm going to try and give it off to people. But I'll talk about that in a minute. We've got tools in there specifically designed around this. And they're practical. It's not like trading in the zone. All credits to Mark Douglas. Fantastic work. But how many people do you know that have read that book? 
that as a side effect of reading it now automatically magically thinking probabilities. <laughs> Very little people. Yeah, yeah. They have the blueprint, they have the framework of what that entails, but actually applying that in a, in a set fashion is difficult. So the, the hard way is this. What you do is you sit down, you get a sheet together. That's what I did. You get a piece of paper together or you print it out and you write down pre, during and post trade recollection. But the trick is you fill it out after the trade is done. What the biggest mistake I see traders make is they fill out how they feel about the trade before they take it, which is of course going to be biased. They're going to have these checkboxes. Am I in a calm state of mind? Of course you're going to say you are. If you want to get involved in the trade, you will say that. Whereas when the damage wears off or the storm has calmed, so to speak, you always see the trade in its entirety after, post outcome. You fill that in afterwards. Now, the goal of this is you want to collect enough of these sheets where you've now got a common thought pattern that initiates before you make a mistake or what I like to call a regretful trade. So you've taken eight trades in the month. All of them you shouldn't have taken. You analyze now what thought patterns were you having before you made these mistakes. And the next time those thought patterns initiate, you're aware of it. Awareness is the first point. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I think nobody can teach anybody. And this is something that we generate ourselves, which is the desire and the willpower to say no in the moment. The same thing, Cam, that if somebody is a compulsive eater, if they're looking at a chocolate bar, you can tell them how bad the chocolate bar is for them, but they have to say no. Mm. And it's your ability to do that, that I think emulates also when you're trading. So when you assess what those thought patterns are, now you know what to look for. You say no, the better you get at saying no, naturally the results will go from here to here. And it's such a hard thing to do, I think, for people because they, I mean, like what, what the annoying thing is, is if you do say no and the trade plays out, yeah, and the reason, and so you you kind of need to have a reason that you're saying no to this particular setup, and it, which goes back to your rules, right? You got to have the rule that says I'm not going to take this because of X, Y, Z. It didn't match my plan, etc. Mm -hmm. Even though everything else lined up, and it did, did play out, and it was a great trade. Um, it's funny you mentioned before. I'm just going to jump back a little bit where you said, uh, you know, when you you had that week, and or or I don't know if it was an example, but you had that week of six trades you didn't take and you're like yeah. i could have been I'm, I'm actually six six percent up essentially because mm -hmm. i didn't take those six which could have all been losers i actually thought that literally two days ago when i missed the trade actually no, no, i decided not to take a trade and then i think i wasn't at the charts or i came to the charts too late and i missed a trade and i'm like instead of being like pissed off i was like you know what i actually could have lost both those trades and being two down, in fact, I'm break even for the day. Yeah. Mm. It's usually, it's actually not bad for me. Um, okay, right now, you talked about high risk versus low risk trade. I mean, what's the difference from your point of view? How do you de determine what's a high risk and what's a low risk? Yeah, so it's, it's very dependent upon each individual set traders trading strategy. Um, so why I advise traders is that you should know your strategy to a point where you can categorize, categorize and isolate what a higher risk trade is, a trade that essentially has a higher risk of not playing out and a trade that's lower in risk, a trade that has a, a lower risk of not playing out. And so for us guys, it's very simple. For example, if we have, I'm going to try and illustrate this in my hands, but if you've got um, a pop down from a value area, you've got a continuation pattern form. One pattern might look very similar to the next, but there'll be different elements in price action in scenario A than scenario B. For example, a liquidity point above a beneath structure that now changes the game for the entry, maybe the time frame that's used. It's very, um, it's what I'd like to use, situational. 
So this is why with how we trade, it's it's extremely dynamic. It's not a case of like one scenario is exactly the same as 10 other scenarios. It's going to be an isolated view of, okay, what have I got? What's the market presenting to me right now? That's something called PSE model, which is where is price positioned on the higher time frame? Is it positioned for longs or shorts? If I'm looking for a short. Is it positioned for a short tick? S is like sequence or sequence of structure that we trade. Is that matching our system? Yes, it is. Okay, tick. Then I look at the isolated entry. Now, does this fit my trading plan? Now, all of that added together will determine whether the trade is got a higher risk of not playing out or it's got a lower risk of not playing out. Obviously, most of the time, I want to be taking the trades that I've got a lower chance of not playing out. That's how we do it. But each independent trader, I find, has their own way. It could be, for example, that you might find taking counter trend trades is a higher risk version of taking setups. Taking trades that are with the trend are lower in risk, as an example for universal explanation. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So it's a high risk in terms of like of the probability of it playing out. Not you're risking more money on the trade. It's just a yes. A, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what another point I wanted to mention on that just very quickly is that risk management. Ninety nine percent of people view it just financial, which is true, but I find that risk management isn't just financial in trading. You could have a trader who says, "Well, I'm sticking to one percent risk," but they're going downhill on a bleed of unnecessary trades. Mm. So is the risk actually low then? But when you look at their trades, they took trades that had a much higher chance of not playing out. So I'm talking about overall risk exposure yeah. in the portfolio, right? Which is a very important tip that traders can take away is that, great, stick to one level of risk, 1% or fixed 0.5% risk, whatever it might be. But then look at this trade model. Has it got a higher low chance of playing out? Because that does affect your risk exposure in the portfolio. So yeah. Yeah, it is a, It is an interesting one. Eh? I, like, and I, th I think it just goes to show how deep people have to go to get this right you know it's like mm. it's it's not a surface level um a, a, a approach to i suppose a, a let's call it a, a profession now um i want to yeah. dive into like more of the technical side and, and find out what kind of things you're actually looking at on a price chart can you can you give us some sort of high level views yes do you want me to screen share or should i just oh no no we'll my... just 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 explain it we'll, we'll do a little charting thing later on okay so very simply how we trade now, I'm going to mention the term patterns, and a lot of people, when they hear that, they think instantly Google or baby pips or bull flags, bear flags, this kind of stuff. We have a much different spin on it. How we trade, the viewpoint we have is that if there's participants in, the, in any given market, in any given asset class, which there, of course, is, otherwise it wouldn't be on the exchange, these market participants will imprint behavioral patterns behind. Every single thing has patterns in it, from nature to people, truth tellers, a liar will have a pattern in them. You can tell when someone's lying. Successful people, failures, they all have patterns and traits in them. So everything leaves patterns behind and it's up to us to study them or not. Now in the markets, there's patterns in many different forms. I'm not talking bat patterns or cipher patterns, none of that stuff. We're taking like a modification adaptation of Elliott Wave to a completely different level. Like when people see our charts from the outside in, they have some sort of similarity or like understanding of, oh, this is a flag or it's a channel or whatever it might be. But they come into Falcon for a month and they're like, whoa, this is a lot deeper than I thought. There's a lot more intricacies behind. Not that it's complicated. It's very simple. We don't use indicators, none of that stuff. But there's a lot more to it than I initially thought. So essentially market structure, price action, and behavioral patterns. That's how we trade. And and so the the, the patterns and uh, I suppose it, like learning them from uh, your education at Falcon, I mean, have you adapted them to your own particular sort of mindset slash style or or is it kind of generic and fixed that you know if you see a pattern 
you know, Mark's probably going to see the same pattern or another student's going to see the same or member's going to see the same pattern. There's actually a very common question. We've had a lot of new members recently. They've asked a similar question, even in the webinar I was on today earlier on. And my answer remains the same, that everybody's going to find their own preferences, which is the term I use, and strengths within the strategy. So me, Mark, and, and Abdul, our other coach, we can sit down collectively around a table, look at the same charts, and 95% of the time have the same trade thesis. But I might prefer to take an entry a set way because my experience has dictated so, right? And so we might be looking both looking at a short on euro dollar, but I might be looking to use the 15 minute as opposed to using the five minute time frame, which is the lowest we go. Or I might be prefer to use the hourly time frame based on where it's positioned because my strength lies in that, for example, because of what my experience has been built like. And the term I like to go by, the analogy is that we're all sailing on the same ocean, but just different points, which means we're going to experience different waves, which is going to create a different sailor. And so if I've started at one particular time, Abdu started at a different particular time. Mark started at a different time in trading. The experience that we build, of the, the the lens that we view the market from is going to be slightly different, although the trading system is exactly the same. So when traders always ask, well, Ibi, do I know I'm right if I'm taking the same exact trades as you, Mark, and Abdu? I'm like, no. Instead, as a coach, my job is to point you in the right direction. You're both in the right direction. You're supposed to sail it. Based off of the waves that you experience, that's going to create the sailor or the trader that you are. So I give them a set trading plan base to start with. I say for four or five weeks, do X, Y, and Z. I give them a set protocol to follow. Based off of their findings, what they find and the assessment criteria that I give them, slowly through time, they build themselves as a trader. Now, week in, week out, they've got content. Mark does the Sunday market breakdown, midweek review. There's content full every single week. But we say you have to use your discernment as a trader. Take what you can now, discard the rest. Focus on what's necessary to you now to grow you. We give them set blueprint and stages and stuff. So yeah, essentially answering the question, they get to a point where most of their setups and entries will be similar. Not all will be exactly the same though. They might have different preference based on the experience. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's funny. It just reminds me of that. I actually, with my mentor, I ended up taking a trade the other day, probably last week, I think it was. And mm -hmm. he sent through a screenshot of a trade he took. And I was like, damn it, look at this. It's exactly, I've taken exactly the same trade, which I don't know. I just sort of thought it was kind of weird because I never, I never kind of take the same trade as him. Um, now, yeah. uh, that, that said, he did get out a lot earlier than me and mm -hmm. it was ended up being a break even and I had to suffer through a bit of drawdown before I got out of break even. So mm -hmm. that just got, that the level of experience is, is just different and, and how you see things and, and that kind of thing. Now, 100%. I want to, I want to dive into um, what your trading looks like now. So like how many trades a week are you taking? What's your win rate? What's your risk to reward? How do those things stack up? I like this conversation. So I've got a few different, um, so what I'm looking for perspectives on striker, which I'll talk about in a minute, but trades overall, they range. I mean, we don't have a fixed amount. We don't set a target for how many trades we take. We don't have a daily drawdown target, a weekly profit target, none of that. We literally take whatever the market gives, so long as it, like I said, fits those true criteria, it fit the plan and the risk model. That's literally, it could be no trades in the week. Like I've taken no trades this week. I think I've taken two trades this month and I'm up like a couple of percent. June, I took um, three trades. It was 8%. July, it was five trades for 22%. I've had months where I've taken 10 trades and it's been a break even. It ranges, but my average, I would say trade frequency range month on month is between three and six trades a month. Active months would be 10. Normal months are between three and six. And strike rate, I don't I don't even know the last time I measured my strike rate. The reason I find it unimportant, I would assume it's between 45 and 
last time I calculated it a few months ago. But the reason I don't look at strike rates is a quite a touchy topic for a lot of people. Is primarily because I think it's a irrelevant metric to track, and I'll tell you why. If we logically look at it for a minute, you have a 90 plus percent strike rate. Mathematically, you're gonna have a lower average risk reward. If you have a lower strike rate, 20, 30%, whatever it might be, you're naturally gonna have a higher average risk reward. I'm sure, Cam, even through your experience, you've hardly met anybody in this game who's got a 90 plus percent strike rate and they've got an extremely high average risk reward. Like consistently yeah, it's, for a period it's, of time. It's, it's, that, that's like I mean, that's what everyone wants, but the reality yeah. is I mean, when you even want to build up bots and stuff, it's very it's almost impossible to get, right? Yeah. And and exactly. And you know, the way I look at it is that if I by this logic of strike rate being extremely important, if I end up a month with 10% profit and I've had a 72% strike rate that month, by this logic, which is what most traders see it as, if they emulate a similar strike rate, that they could emulate a similar percentage return every month which isn't actually the case. You could have a 72% strike rate next month, but matter of sequence, end up in a different P&L. So instead, I looked at the root of it. Well, forget my strike rate. This is the byproduct number. Let me look at what's behind the trade. As long as the trade is good quality and it fits an effective plan that's proven to work, that's all I'm bothered about. So that's my strike rate. Whether I end up 50% strike rate, 90%, 10%, as long as I know, which is a very important point I forgot to mention before, linking to this, that my damage control mechanism is good, meaning that if it was a week has ended, like you said, on break even or minus one, as long as I brought about the faculties not to take it to a minus eight and I damage controlled effectively, didn't turn something, a negative PL into something even worse, that's where I'm good. So that's where my performance lies. And that's how I track my performance, not with strike rate. But yeah, if I was to look at it, I'd see between 45 and 50. It ranges. Mm. And what about risk to reward? Like I did see a video of yours just before I jumped on here and it looked like it was kind of high. Yeah, I mean, it ranges. Like I said, most trades will come out for about 3.5%, 3.6%, most trades. But you will get trades that quite frequently do occur for 10%, 15% in a single position with no scalings. The way we pro uh, take our profits as well, by the way, is ironically not taking profits. We trail stops behind trades and let the market take us out. Mm. that's kept me into trades that most people would isolate themselves for for a two to one or a three to one because of the strike rate mentality thinking i need to get out for two to one two to one two to one i've got out of those same trades for 10 11 12 15 to one at times biggest trades i've had have ranged well over 20 but they've been with been scalings i've had multiple trades this year that have that have got me out for 10 to 13 percent primarily on indices which are my favorite trade but yeah they range i got out of a trade this month and i guess it's a good sign that i forget about my trades afterwards it was um a UK 100 short position that I got out for 2.6%. Yeah, so that was a small position. But yeah, it ranges between those amounts. Mm. Okay, and so, and so like on the markets, I mean, what markets are you trading at? So what indices and then any Forex? Everything. Um, so how we analyze our watch list, we have 28 to 30 instruments that we look at, not that we trade. So on the weekend, on the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have a three-step particular process that we go through in terms of watch list creation. So on the Friday, I'll clear up all my charts. And it'll range from FX, indices, Australia 200. It will go to UK 100, the DAX, the NAS, and a few others. I think that's really all I look at from what I can remember. And commodities range from platinum, silver, oil, gold, wheat, corn. Not I've traded them in a long time, but just to give you an example of a few, and then all the FX pairs. Then what I'll do is I'll analyze from top to bottom. Take me about an hour or so on the Friday. That's my therapy. 
as I'm sure it is for a lot of traders, and I analyze those pairs and I flag them a certain color to see which ones would I want of interest for next week. I might grab about 10 or 15 of them. Then what I do is I leave my chart, Saturday I come back, with all my analysis on those flag pairs, I'll refresh it all and reanalyze because you're in a different state of mind on the Friday compared to the Saturday. So you could have a bias, who knows? I reanalyze them, then I categorize them into a top six and a set of wildcard pairs. So that then by the Sunday, when I do the same process again, I'll have six top pairs that I'm looking at that are top quality out of those pairs that I've highlighted. Then wildcards, pairs that are still great, but they may not be ready yet. They may need a bit more time, but I've got them on soft watch. And then what I do, this is a key part, is throughout the week, the trading week, out of my top six and wildcards, I'll now isolate them again into my daily main focus. So I've gone from a big watch list to a smaller watch list and I've isolated that even more into something that's the best quality. So I might be focusing on maximum one to three pairs a day. And out of those one to three pairs, nothing may shape up or one may shape up. In the morning, I'm scanning my markets. It takes me what, two, three minutes. Those three pairs that I've got on watch, I scan what could potentially occur for the day ahead, write it out. This is my plan. If this happens, then I do this. If not, I stay out and get by my day. And if it occurs, great. If not, then I move on. That's my trading week. That, that, that's some epic kind of like analysis uh, discipline as well to, to to make that happen. I mean, what about like in terms of entering on on these like that are setting up, you're thinking, okay, this is setting up nicely. How pinpoint are your, your entries in terms of like, I'm waiting for it to do exactly this. And if that pattern happens or if this thing happens, I'm getting in versus mm -hmm. uh, like, okay, it's set up, it's played out. The you know, my session's coming to an end. It hasn't quite hit the level I wanted to do or do the thing I wanted to do. But I know this is you know high probability trade at this point. So if I don't get in now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reap the benefits of of if it plays out. Is yeah. that something that you? have a pinpoint accuracy entry on or is it more of a um like it didn't it didn't play out i'm, I'm not gonna sorry or is it a flexible thing where you can just enter and go it's kind of in the region my stop's still gonna mm -hmm. be here it doesn't matter etc it has to be pinpoint and we don't isolate sessions we're just aware of them so for example continuation pattern forming on euro dollar after swap hours uk which is like 11 p.m 10 11 p.m has a much different chance of playing out compared to london session for example which is prime session for Eurodollar, mm. London going to New York. So we are aware of it, just the same way like potholes in the road. If you're not aware of them, you're going to go into one at one point. But we don't base our trading around it. There's been some of my best trading days have been on Mondays or Fridays, which by industry standard, they're not the best trades to trade. Uh, some of my, again, I've taken trades on Sunday night after market open that have been fantastic. I've taken trades out of the session for the pair that have played out to be brilliant. For example, like Euro Pound, Euro Sterling. You know, main session is active is London, New York crossover, right? That I found with how we trade. And I might have taken it late New York. And I find that I've, you know, been more lean with moving my stop to break even to get it through swap hours. I've held trades overnight, over weekends. We're so dynamic like that. But the entries itself have to be pinpoint. Pinpoint meaning not perfect, but effective enough. So for example, I've specified exactly when I'm looking at the market, this is the area that we're looking to sell from or, or long from. When the pattern forms, I, I know exactly what the pattern has to look like in terms of how it's constructed. When it hits the value area within the particular pattern or consolidation region, I know exactly what candle I'm looking for. So that are those two candles, pin bars or retraces? It's the only two candles I look for. 
I've even specified what time frame I'm going to use and why I'm going to use that time frame based on how price is presenting itself, which can differentiate. Sometimes it might be the hourly because I need more weight on the candle. It might be the 15 because I need less weight on the candle. It might be in a better area. So I don't need to use the one hour time frame for more weight. It can go lower. So depending on that, so I've forecasted in the morning freehand, this happens, this is the area, this is the trade, this is the time frame, this is the candle. And if it doesn't happen, I jog on, carry on my day. And so, so how do you make sure that you don't miss that candle or that entry? So naturally, because we're trading not on super low time frames, we don't have to be glued to the screens. So if I know, for example, let's say it's 8 a.m. in the morning now, for myself, let's say, and Euro pound looks to be shaping up, and I know that this could be ready in the next couple of hours because it's close to its area value. I'll set the alert just in case, but I know I'm in my office. I'm not really going anywhere. That's a simple one. If I know I'm heading out, I'll make sure, well, can I head out later? Do I have to head out now? I assess the situation in the moment. Or I might find that, right, the setup now, it's 8 a.m. in the morning. It's prime for Euro Sterling as an example, but this doesn't look like it's going to be ready till New York session. And that'll be very, very clear to me, like based mm -hmm. on how the structure's formed. So then I literally just don't bat an eye to the charts. Same thing for Euro Dollar. It might be 5 p.m., five hours before swaps. It's way out of his session now. It's going out of his session. And it's just basically in the middle of nowhere, not forming the structure that I want. So I don't even look at the market till the next day in the morning. And so, so um, I mean, so in terms of like, actually, you're going to place an entry, you, you know, you've come back to your charts. So I'm guessing, or I'm assuming you, you would say like, I'm going to turn up every hour, check the candle, see if it's the candle I want. If it is, I'm going to enter. How are you going to enter that, that trade? I see what you're saying. Yeah. So let's say it has shaped up or it's looking to shape up within the next few minutes. And I'm right, okay, this candle, let's say I'm looking for an engulfing or a retrace candle, a bearish one, because I'm looking for a sell at a certain point. So I will literally set up my broker platform, will be open, MetaTrade will be open. I've already pre-calculated my risk. And I'm literally waiting for within three seconds of the candle close usually, and I'll set a stop order beneath the candle. That's oh. where I enter. Okay. If the candle ends up dropping out and I can't set a stop order, and I know that, well, if I take an entry beneath this, my risk to reward is now nullified. It's not really the best because it's too large of an entry mm. and stop size now. I'll then set a limit order on 50% of that candle just to play it because the setup's still there for me, Yeah. but the risk to reward isn't worth it. So I'll set a limit order on that candle. If it does end up on the next candle triggering me, I'll, I'll go for it. Great. Otherwise, it's usually on the close of the candle within those two, three seconds. I'm ready. Stop order's there. I've already prepared my trade two minutes beforehand. Right. Okay. And and as you some your, crazy situations like that. Yeah. Sure. And, and so so is your is your um so I'm getting to the real minutiae here. Is yeah. your stop order trade like right on the low of that short or short candle? Or is it uh have you got an offset there at all? And and do you, I'm guessing you cancel that one bar later or it's gonna be it's gonna expire after an hour? So it's a non-expiry. So essentially oh, okay. when I manually expire the uh, the, the order then but the main thing is around, I'd say, within a pip or two range beneath. Right. If right. I can, I'd get it right on the close. If I can. If my broker's allowing it to spread small, whatever it might be, if I'm allowed, great. Uh, okay. Otherwise, it's just beneath the candle about a pip or two after the close. And I find so, that, and if it does invalidate, yeah. then I just don't take the trade. And and if you if you did get like an engulfing candle like that with a big long wick, I mean, what would you do there? Would you so a wick on the bottom of it? Would you still mm -hmm try and take that trade so it does have a different play in the market if that does happen it does affect the probability to set up okay but there's many other factors that we take in mind for example is it positioned correctly in the higher time frame 
what's the structure shaped up like? Where is it sat? Is there anything above or beneath it? And if it's just that one candle, as long as the candle is in the body of it's engulfed the prior candle, the wick beneath doesn't put me off the trade because there's other surrounding factors that override that for me. Mm. So that's that's actually a good point because a lot of people would look at that very, very on a micro basis and think, wow, that one little thing's putting me off and they would just wouldn't take the trade. Yeah. Whereas we take everything holistically into consideration is that what from a ratio point, if there's more good than just that one little thing, I'm just mm. I'm taking the trade. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Um, now, what about like transitioning from there? What what does your typical trading day look like? So, a lot of people think I've got a very fixed routine every day. I say I'm very robotic, but I do different things every single day, especially in the morning. So, I'm a big believer on following what your mind and body wants. So, if I wake up in the morning and I just feel like getting fresh air, I'll go out for a walk. I live next to a farm, so I'm lucky enough to have a lot oxygen-rich air in the morning. Or I might find I need a shock straight into the cold shower. I might find, get the journal out. Anything to stimulate my mind, activate that flow in the morning, I'll do. Whatever that is. And that differentiates each day. Winter season's here naturally. I'm just into journaling a lot more. Journaling specifically what? So Mark's given an exercise in, in Rewired, our program, that you have a window of opportunity every morning and every night. Within the first 10, 15 minutes of you waking up, and going to sleep, you're in a certain frequency of mind. And what to do in that state of mind is capitalize on it, which most people don't. They're on the phones first thing in the morning. They're getting rid of all the necessary chemicals needed to get the day going. So what I do instead, and what we've trained our traders to do in the morning for state of mind and peace of mind is get your journal out, set a timer for five minutes. And if write down as if money wasn't an incentive, exactly what your life would look like in the present moment. I'm literally just, I, I know the story because I've done it hundreds of times. I know what to expect when I write, but it's just something about it that when you finish those five minutes, you just feel charged. So I, I've been doing that a lot in the mornings. So that then what it does, I'm not saying that that's going to make you a millionaire, but it's a key trait that's going to activate the mental framework required to make the correct decisions in the market. So that whenever that frame of work, frame of mind is needed, that you're sharp. Mm. That's what's important. As you know, with trading, it's about moments that you've got to be ready for. Yeah. There could be no trade in the week. Have you got the discipline to say no? And if you're not in the right state of mind, you won't say no to a trade. Mm. If you are in the right state of mind, you'll make the correct decisions no matter what, whether that's getting in or getting out. So that's my morning routine. I start with that. Sometimes it might be the gym. That takes me about normally 20 to 30 minutes. I don't even check my phone first thing in the morning straight into the office. Then after that, it's cracking up with projects, could be coaching, could be documents I've got to get done. We're managing so many projects at the moment as well for Falcon. So I'm literally cracking on with that throughout the day. And then evening time, gym or Thai boxing. That's my day-to-day -day routine every single day of the week. Weekends are a little bit more packed. Weekends are actually a lot more technical heavy. Chart work in the week is so small and minimal, I can't even explain to you. It's five minutes in the morning and I'm done. That's it. I don't, I don't, there's no more chart work in the week. Mm. So unless I'm on a coaching call on the weekend, like you explained before with the watch list, that's when it's heavy. Right, right. Okay, it's interesting. I mean, it's funny, you, like Mark did have a great, and I do remember it, and even though we interviewed him ages ago, uh, a great little quote around that sort of, I suppose, just, it's kind of, a, it's related to the journal exercise you're talking about, where he said, like, if you want to be a trader, just go and get your laptop, take it to a coffee shop, open up a mm. price chart, and do some back testing, and just Put yourself in that position, even if you're you know, not even going to trade, you're going to be like, this is where I want to be. I want to be a trader who's sitting in a coffee shop, 
got my got my laptop up and I'm actually trading and just have a coffee, yeah. do it for an hour and come back and whatever. But at least put yourself in that position where you believe that this is potentially a reality for me in the future. And it's, Sorry. I suppose, in the back of your mind, it can, it can, you know, do its job. Um, it does. Now, what about uh, talking about your mind and mindset? I mean, it sounds like your mindset is like on point, but I'm guessing you probably had a bit of a journey to get there as you, you know, you talked about your four year, uh, four years of not making a cent from the market. Have you got any sort of special things other than what you've mentioned already? I'm already putting yeah. you in the spot here uh, that that can, you could share with the listeners today to help them get over some hurdles that, that may be holding them back. Right. I would say, giving this as raw as possible now. So I would say you need to holistically sit down. I'm a very big believer in this, starting from a blank canvas and look at three particular tenants in your trading, like a triangle. Number one, you have edge, you have plan, you have psychology, those three particular tenants. Those three, like a circuit, imagine there's a light bulb in the middle of that triangle and the light bulb only lights when that circuit's complete. If there's a break in that circuit, the light bulb won't light. Now, symbolically, this light bulb is symbolizing profitability, which is where every trader wants to get. So then I've got to assess. I've got to have all these three in check. Mm. What I want traders to look at is edge is symbolic of what your trading strategy. Plan, just the criteria that you've got. And psychology, the mindset that you bring. I'll ask a quick question for you to help explain this analogy. Imagine you've got a Ferrari parked in the drive, right? Bright red Ferrari, gleaming, nice. If it's parked in the driveway, but there's no fuel in it, is that car going anywhere? No. No. Let's say there's fuel in it, and the car is there, but there's no one to drive it. It's still not going anywhere. Correct. Or how about you've got the driver, you've got the fuel, and you've got the car, but the driver's just passed his driving test that day. What's the chances of him crashing that car? Very, very high. So this is the way we've got to look at it. The car is symbolic of your trading strategy. The fuel in the car is symbolic of your trading plan. And the driver is symbolic of your mind. So this leads me on to what I wanted to explain. Assess now, how do you know you've got edge ticked? Well, grab any three pairs of your choice, simulate some testing on it over a couple of years each. Just have a look. Do I know enough from a knowledge standpoint to bring about profitability? You don't even have to use a trading plan. Just have I got enough there? All right, so my system does work. I do have an edge. That's ticked. Tenant number one's done. Tenant number two, plan. Is my plan proven effective? Simple way you can look at this. This is why live performance is important. I can look at one quarter worth of results and I can see week on week, had I have followed my plan, one, and then had I followed it well, number two, how would my results be different? And if they're far better than they are now, then you have a plan that's effective. If you don't need to go back into that and recreate the trading plan, make it better. So that's number two ticked. If all you've got left is psychology, then you got to think, well, either I'm that impulsive trader, I'm that hesitant trader. And the simple way to look at this, this is so, so logical in the end when we look at it in hindsight. This whole thing of over-trading, under-trading, trade frequency, what's right, what's wrong. How you know you're over-trading is if you've taken too many trades you shouldn't have. Now, the ironic thing is you won't know the answer to that if you haven't got the answer to the others two. You've not got a proper trading plan. You won't know that. How you know you're under trading is if you miss a lot of trades. So if you miss a lot of trades, then, then you know what to work on at least. I miss them for X reason. Let me work on this. That's your plan of action now for the next three months, let's say. Anyway, you find out which category you fit in, why you fit in that category, how you can mitigate 
being in that category, and then you formulate a plan of action to help resolve that issue, then you should have three tenants complete. If you've got three tenants complete, you're profitable. That's trading done. That that is that an epic, epic answer to this question. <laughs> so I've got to put my, take my hat off to you on that one. Um, hey, look, I mean, we, we've we're going to jump into a quick fire round here and, and wrap this thing up. Um, I don't yeah. think we can get much better than that. I mean, that was like that was so good. The Ferrari scenario as well. Um, right. So let's go from. Uh, I'll just ask you a couple of questions. Um, what about what's your what's your recommended trading book or resource? Right. I've got a lot down here next to me on the right. I've read a lot. Obviously, the typical trading in the zones, like Trading Psychology 2.0. One of my favorite trading books, which is actually not an educational book, is Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. It, it was it was mentioned. It used to be mentioned at the start of my 52 Traders podcast. Like people, when I said at the start, like my first, let's say, 50, 60 episodes, Everyone mentioned it, and then it's just stopped. Nobody book. mentions it now. You've got this that. Ah, right, right. Fantastic book. It's a, I think it's a storyline of Jesse Livermore yeah. and how he lived his life. What? Why do you Fantastic find it book. so? Why do you find it so intriguing and, and useful? Primarily because it demonstrates in that book. One, it took him, I think, God knows, I think over a decade of of teaching himself through uh, bucket shops, which is what you mentioned in the yeah. book. And he realized in the end that there's no way to crack the market. This was the irony of the book. He was like, my intention was to crack the market, but there was no crack of the market. It was all about the mind. And he realized after 15 years of trying to crack it. And he talks about all the lessons that led him to that. That's why I say the book is fantastic. The reason why I don't commonly refer to trading the zone or psychology, trading psychology 2.0, which are fantastic books, by the way, but they're all giving you the, the blueprint, but not actually how to put that into actionable steps to because you, your mind yeah. has to be physically rewired. It just has yeah. to be. Yeah. Like, why do you think the way that you do? Because that's been molded into you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, environmental circumstances, you've molded yourself as that individual or society has. And if you're not thinking, mm. if you, if we think we can't control our mind, then what the hell is controlling our mind? If it's not us, something is. Yeah. If not you, yeah. then who? Yeah. And so resource wise, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say rewired is the best psychology program I have possibly ever gone through. And we, I'll put a challenge out to anybody out there. If you don't like it within one month, you can expose me. I don't care. I am so confident and assertive on this. We've had a literal 100% strike rate with it. And the reason why, Cam, one, because it's coming from a trader's experience. And secondly, there's 15, 16 years of experience in there from Mark who he doesn't give you typical like um, stuff that you can copy and paste over the internet. We talk about self-image, practical things that you can fix, why you're performing the way they are, how you can fix it. Similar to like the examples that I've given, times that by 10, put that on steroids and you've got all that in there. You know, and so they're the best resources I would say I've honestly got. And, I, and I'd be lying if I said otherwise. That's, that's a great answer. And I think anyone's listening to the show is probably can, you know, have a have a quick stab in the dark that yeah it probably is going to be quite a good psychology program based on what you've just shared with us today so um now what about like your preferred broker and trading platform look folks i know you want the answer to this question which broker is this trader using now the answer has been sponsored by black bull markets so to find the answer out you're going to need to go over to tradingnut.com find the show notes page for this guest and then all will be revealed cool um do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade there's been quite a few. Um, all right, I remember this specifically, and Falcon Traders will remember this story that I've said quite a few times that 
I can't remember what trade it was, ironically, though. But I know there was a trade at a point in time. This was before my mother bought me my new laptop. The reason she had to get me a new laptop is because I threw my old one out the window. I was that <laughs> off the rails. This is, I'm telling you, I've had to really work on my mind in the past. And it was because this trade was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back per, per se. Yeah, I was on a string of losses. I was missing trades by like one minute, two minutes. It's like as if literally someone was like puppet playing with me to really push my buttons. And it got to a point, it was a Thursday. And I had taken like three losses that day, super impulsive. And I was just like, what am I doing? And I took one more trade and I'd wiped everything out on that trade. I'd over-risked, gone against my rules, completely undisciplined. And I got that fed up. I actually, I was supposed to just chuck it out the window, my laptop. I actually ended up going out the window. <laughs> that was, I would say, the worst ever trade or worst well, ever reaction to a trade I've ever had. But I've never really had a best or a worst trade. Yeah. It's more of my reaction to the trade. Really. Yeah. Uh, well, and now, final question. Uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Find one system, master it, make sure the person that you're learning off is where you want to be and has good values and morals. And make sure you're around an ecosystem of traders that provides you with a network that will sustain you in all areas of life. That's the best advice I can give because I'm sure Mark said this to me a few days ago, ironically, and it stuck with me on the phone and he goes, I would be doing a disservice to traders if I was only teaching them trading. We were talking about a property fund, which we've, we've got literally launched for the traders now. Right. So if he was just trading, tra training traders to trade primarily, as a mentor, he'd be doing him a disservice because trading doesn't give you security. It doesn't. It's a skill set that can provide you security if you invest the money in the right areas, assets, for example. So I would say get around people that have experience with assets, financial literacy, good network of traders that you know essentially you're investing in their future as well. Mm. They could be millionaires in the next five years. You know, would you trust these people to look after your kids if something happened to you, for example? So I look at audit my circle. So focus on good circle, good education. Stick to one system and master it and never let go of it and refine it and you'll be good to go. Awesome. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Instagram, best way. And do you want what's your handle? Simple. It will be on the screen here, but uh, for the guys listening. Yep, it's just my name, Ibby Ansari, I-B-B-Y, and then my surname. Brilliant. Well, look, a uh, big thank you. thank you to Ibby for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links he's mentioned and the books, will be in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Ibby in the search box on tradingnut.com. And whilst you're there, you may as well search for Mark as well and have a listen to that interview that I did with Mark a few years ago. Uh, until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts? Introducing my Robot Builders Club. With our platform, you can build bots in minutes, not weeks, without any coding required. Get lifetime access to my video course, VIP community, and over 40 ready-made robots. Works with MT4 or MT5, and as a bonus, you'll get three months access to my Robot Lab, where we build and test bots on live calls every week. Join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter, not harder. Click the link in the description to learn more, get the free training, and download a free robot. Well, folks, there you have an interview with Abby done and dusted. So good, wasn't it? Now, look, we did shoot a video after this as well where he breaks down what he does on a price chart. In fact, it's a specific pattern that he looks for, which 
tends to work more often than not. You're going to find out what that is and how he reads a chart in the video that drops on the YouTube channel. So go and check that out uh, when you get a chance after this. Now, remember, we've got the mystery trader over there in the Telegram on Trading Nuts. So links to all of this stuff is in the description. Uh, he's, yeah, done almost 4% in five trades so far. So doing really well. Um, other things, we've got the live streams. Make sure you check those out. We've got the Blue Guardian recap. See how everyone's going, including my own trading. So you get an insight into that. And we've got the uh, Black Bull 100% deposit bonus. Don't forget that. If you're looking for a broker, go and check them out. And you can follow that Robot Builders Club uh, Robot Lab Live build that we've just finished. We've got it in the market. It's only been going for a week, but it's doing kind of good. So uh, let's go and go and check it out. I'll put a link to the track record so you can go and see it update in real time on uh, FX Blue. All right, folks, that's enough for me. Have a great trading week, and we see you in the next episode.